are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. They're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to the always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. We got a whole bunch I want to talk about today. I'm going to recap yesterday's D-backs win against the Cincinnati Reds. Zach Gallon on the mound. It was technically today's win. The game was uh, suspended because of the weather, so we'll talk about that game. We'll talk about J.B. Braskakis in segment number two. What can he provide for the D-backs if he's here for the long haul? And then we'll... Uh, We'll wrap up the pod by previewing tomorrow's game a little bit and uh, talk about Taylor Widener and the D-backs bullpen. But first, if you're a company interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDimebacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, let's jump right into it because we didn't get a chance to talk about anything yesterday. I was taking my personal day, so thank you to everyone who had respect for that. But I'm back here ready to talk some baseball, and it was Zach Gallen day. He made his second start of the year on the mound yesterday, and he didn't look too bad, honestly. He went into the sixth inning, five and two-thirds. He should have only given up two earned runs, but of course, Joan Lopez had to screw it up for him and tack on another earned run when he gave up a two-run bomb uh, late in that game, but Zach Gallon wasn't, he, he's still not that crisp, clean Zach Gallon that we know, that Cy Young Zach Gallon that we know. He's still a, a very good pitcher, even though he's not uh, clearly 100% on the mound, because yesterday, uh, I think what was encouraging from his start is that he wasn't giving up a lot of hard contact. That's not what Zach Allen was doing. Uh, he was basically just uh, probably pitching too many uh, balls deep into counts, too many full counts or just three ball counts, you know, two and two counts, a lot of deep counts because that was probably his biggest issue yesterday. He did give up four walks, had 98 pitches in that sixth inning, went five and two thirds. So probably just threw too many pitches, couldn't put dudes away uh, as well as he normally does. Uh, he, he, he only had the four walks. He still had six strikes. Strikeouts, which was pretty nice, but I think Zach Gallon on the top of his game, fully healthy. I, I think that's an eight strikeout with a two walk kind of line. Only gave up four hits though, which was nice, and he still overall had pretty good control and command. Yeah, the four walks, but overall still pretty effective because if you just look at his pitches yesterday, uh, he threw mostly fastball, forty eight fastballs, and his fastball was uh well forty eight fastballs on the season yesterday. 
he actually uh, went mostly with the uh, the fastball still. Okay, so he threw 47 fastballs yesterday. I was looking at his season stats before, but uh, he threw 47 fastballs yesterday, and his fastball yesterday was working pretty well for Zach Gallen. Uh, didn't give up a lot of hard contact at all when he used that fastball. Only an average exit velocity of 80.9 miles per hour, the best of any pitch he had yesterday. So his fastball was working, threw it 47 times. His changeup, he threw it 30 times, knuckle curve 17, and the, the then the cutter four times to add up to 98 uh, pitches total. None of his pitches had an average exit velocity of 90 or better. Now his knuckle curve had an average exit velocity of 89.8, so it was pretty close. But outside of the third and fourth inning, Zach Allen pitched a pretty clean game yesterday. Those were the really the only two times where he got a little bit in trouble on the base paths. But I still liked what I saw from Zach Gallon yesterday, and I still thought it was a pretty encouraging start. I mean, he left with two outs in the sixth, giving up only two earned runs, and he still wasn't at the top of his game. I think that just speaks to the quality of what Zach Gallon is and the quality of pitcher he is. But after he came out, Yoan Lopez came in and gave up a home run immediately, a two-run bomb. Reds retake the lead in this game because the D-backs offense went kind of cold in this game. They started off the game amazing. I thought this was going to be one of those eight-run performances by the D-backs. They got off three early runs against Luis Castillo where they were just sending everyone to the plate in that first inning. But Castillo settled down after that and was pretty effective, honestly, outside of the first inning uh, for for uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Didn't really give up uh, much after that first inning, so the D-backs' bats kind of went quiet. And as they always do, they struck out a lot yesterday. 11 strikeouts uh, uh, yesterday's game. That's that just not acceptable. They just strike out way too many times. I'm going to have to pull up. Uh, some stats here in the future for a podcast on how many times they strike out compared to everyone else because they just strike out and an inordinate 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 is that the correct word inordinate amount of time i think that's the correct word unnormal amount of time who knows but they strike out way too much and i wasn't a big fan of them striking out yesterday now some positives from that lineup, Paven Smith went three for five as a leadoff hitter. I'm pro Paven Smith. I've always been pretty good this year. Uh, D-backs in total had nine hits, which which is pretty solid, honestly. They could just get the strikeout total down. Nine hits is pretty good. Carson Kelly went 0 for 2. He got a double from Eduardo Espar, who's been on fire. Uh, two for four from Cole Calhoun. So the offense had a few positive highlights, but I didn't like the offense overall. On the day, even though they put up five runs, I don't like the 11 strikeouts. And still, only two for 13 were runners in scoring position. But Alex Young came in after Yoan Lopez. He walked two guys. He... He's been shaky this year as well, but we got to see the the, the debut of J.B. Braskakis finally, and we're going to be talking about him more in the second segment, but he came in, faced one batter, five sliders, and he was out of there, got the win for the team, even though he only faced one batter. Kevin Ginkle came in, held it down, got the hold, and he held it down today, basically, when the game resumed, because after J.B. Braskakis, uh, the, the weather got terrible, and they had to suspend the game until today. And they finished it off. Kevin Ginkle and Stefan Crane finished it off for the D-backs. Uh, Alex, or not Alex Young, Andrew Young did hit a game-tying home run in the bottom of the eighth. 
And then Carson Kelly walked when the bases were loaded to score Paven Smith. So they came through in the bottom of the eighth to, to at least take the lead and take the win because the D-backs on the season after yesterday's, or I guess today's game, were our, uh, they're 7-10 and 10 now on the season. The D-backs aren't doing too hot in the standings. I'm going to pull the standings up real quick so we could just take a quick peek. Let's pull up the wild card standings. And the D-backs coming into today are two and a half back of the wild card. So that's basically what the D-backs have to fight for. But eh, two and a half back doesn't sound too bad. But when I tell you they're, they're both two and a half back and second from the bottom, the only team worse than them in the wild card race is the Colorado Rockies. Uh, that doesn't make you feel too good. The D-backs only have one more win in the win column than the Colorado Rockies. So that's how bad of a season it's been to start off for the D-backs. But don't worry, guys. I'll be right here bringing the positivity every day, recapping these D-backs games for you, coming up with my own theories. And if you guys ever want to talk on Twitter, don't forget to follow me at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, at LockedOnDiamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm tweeting a lot these days. Interact with me on Twitter. Uh, send me some questions. Send me some topics. I love talking baseball. And we're going to be needing to talk a lot baseball just having fun with it because this d-back season probably isn't going anywhere but maybe we'll discuss that more when we get to tyler why when we get to not tyler but taylor widener in the third segment today but before we get there i want to talk to you guys about built bar because built bar is back more improved and more delicious than ever before they have 18 amazing flavors but six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now, the reason why I love Built Bars is because I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can, and Built Bar actually tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but it's high in protein and it's high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last, of course. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from locked on local experts and the Draft Net Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page. Live three day coverage of the NFL Draft, April 29th to May 1st. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it and let's discuss a little JB Burskakis because the man we've been waiting for for a while now, for weeks now, I guess, ever since spring training ended, the the discussion has been when is JB Burskakis getting called up? It's a time for JB Burskakis. This bullpen and pitching sucks. Can we get JB Burskakis in there? Well, yesterday, our prayers were finally answered, and J.B. Braskakis made his Major League debut. And he didn't just make his debut, he also got his first Major League win. Now, granted, he only faced one batter in his, in his relief appearance yesterday, but he came out and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. In his one batter face, he threw 
all sliders, J.B. Braskakis did his signature pitch, and he looked pretty good throwing them as well. Uh, they were averaging in terms of pitch velocity, his slider, around 86 miles an hour, had great movement to it. It looked like a real sharp and crisp slider. He didn't have total command of it, but he could have been pretty nervous out there on the mound. And J.B. Braskakis, this was a guy who was drafted 15th overall in that 2017 draft by the Houston Astros because his fastball slider combination might have been considered the best combo in that draft signed for 3.6 million when he got drafted but he kind of had an interesting road to the majors he had a car accident in his first spring training and he it left him with a slip disc and he was only able to make three appearances in the first three months of the 2018 season and even though he only made three appearances he looked pretty good in that 2018 season now he was acquired in the 2019 season, and he scuffled a little bit. If you look at his minor league stats in 2019, they're not very dominant, honestly. They might not be what you expect from J.B. Braskakis after watching him in spring training. It, uh, for the Houston Astros in AA in 2019, a 5-2-5 ERA. Then for the D-backs, he had a 7.71 ERA. So he was not too good in terms of uh, uh, limiting earned runs uh, in the minor leagues. And his he, he walked a lot of dudes as well. He, he had a pretty big issue when it came to walks. Walks per nine in 2019 for the Astros, 5.67. And for the D-backs, it was 6-4-3 walks per nine so he struggled to walk people and he gave up a lot of earned runs but the strikeout totals were still there 10.3 with houston 14.14 with the d-backs both in 2019 and this is a guy who we know can run it up when it comes to strikeouts that's what he did in spring training because his spring training stats were honestly just insane 7.2 innings pitched 14 strikeouts a batting average against just 120. The dude looked phenomenal in spring training, and there's a big reason why everyone was in on J.B. Braskakis after spring training because this is what MLB.com says in his prospect uh, in their prospect scouting report for J.B. Braskakis. Stuff is not an issue for Braskakis with four pitches that grade out as at least average. His best offering is his slider, which combines mid-80s power with late sharp bite. Hitters seem to have a hard time picking it up. They can morph it into an average cutter to further give them a different look. His heater is also explosive, sitting in the mid-90s, topping out at 98, and featuring some sink and run. His changeup is a pitch that works against both righties and lefties. Berskakis misses bats, but control can be an issue at times, and I think that perfectly sums up Berskakis, at least when you do look at him from the minor league standpoint. But in spring training, we didn't see those control issues because he didn't walk one batter in his 7.2 innings in spring training, and he just looked absolutely phenomenal. And a reason why I think Braskakis can be elite on the big league level is, yes, he might have some control issues with walking dudes, but if you combine his propensity to strike out dudes and the fact that he's a ground ball kind of pitcher, I think that works hugely in his favor. Let's look at his ground ball numbers. Uh, 
47% ground ball percentage with the Astros in 2019 and 2018. In the double A, it was 60%, 56% in high A in 2018. So this guy has been mostly a ground ball pitcher uh, throughout his time in the minors. And I just love ground ball pitchers more than guys who give up fly balls. I'm okay if you want to pitch to contact. That's something that Matt Peacock talks about, pitching to contact. I'm okay with that, but I don't respect, I, not that I don't respect, but my preference is not a fly ball pitcher because I don't want to see that ball in the air. Batters in our day have so much power. A lot of times, because of the way pitching has gone, batters want to swing for the fences more. So if you're already a fly ball pitcher, batters swinging for the fences, that could just be a dangerous combo. But J.B. Briskakis, high strikeout guy, high ground ball guy, just got work on those walks. And so far, they haven't seemed to be an issue on the big league uh, level in terms of spring training. Only got the one batter face so far uh, in the regular season. But for the rest of the season, I want to see how long the D-backs keep him up. Maybe they send him back down once uh, Chris Davinsky, Soria, Tyler Clippard, once any of those guys come back. We might see the end of J.B. Braskakis, at least for a short time. But I, I would heavily consider keeping him on the on the main roster uh, you would have to send down a different pitcher because, guys, remember, we can only keep 13 pitchers on the Major League roster. So I don't know who you send down in that scenario. Uh, you Well, Anthony Swarzak was DFA'd, but I don't think that would uh, count against J.B. Braskakis. And when you're looking at the other pitchers in this bullpen, it's hard to pick out someone that you would take off for a J.B. Braskakis, honestly, uh, unless you're thinking of a Alex Young, who I don't think you're doing, or Taylor Clark, who I don't think you're doing. Uh, trading a guy like Caleb Smith is probably your best bet. Uh, I would love to get Matt Peacock on this roster regularly, too. Still, guy gives Soria, Clipper, and Davinsky a chance, but Davinsky's not the man. If he's not living up to uh, what we thought we were getting in free agency if he goes back to the Chris Davinsky we saw before he was on this restricted list and hey give it to J.B. Braskakis because the way the D-backs are moving right now looks like we're gonna need a youth movement looks like this season's not gonna really go anywhere the D-backs might have to start giving their younger players some more opportunity so if that happens you could get a guy like Chris Davinsky off this roster. Uh, maybe you want to trade a guy like Joaquin Soria at the deadline if he's balling and this team is bad. Because J.B. Braskakis needs to get as, as much opportunity on the big league level as possible. Yes, you want him to work out the kinks in the minor league level or the, or the alternate site. But I think the best experience comes from playing every day on the major league level. I might have different thoughts when it comes to a rookie QB, but... For baseball, you spend years in the minors, you go to college, and then you spend another, you spend two, three years in college, then you spend another three years in minor leagues. By the time you crack into big leagues, you're like 24, 25 years old. You should be ready to pitch. And JB Braskakis, this is a guy in his early 20s. Let me see his exact age if I can find it. But this is a guy, he's 24 years old. This guy's ready. He needs the opportunity. We need to see what he has because this guy, we've talked about him maybe as a potential closer. We're going to talk about the D-backs in the ninth inning in the next segment. But this guy could be a potential closer for the D-backs. And maybe next season, a potential starter as well. But we first got to see what we have from J.B. Braskakis in a full season. And I think that season could be the 2021 season. Now we'll talk about Taylor Widener and the rest of the bullpen. But first, I want to talk to you guys about BetOnline because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports betting. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. 
BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKEDON. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Luckenfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it. Let's talk about Taylor Widener. And we'll also want to talk a little bit about this bullpen. But let's first start with Taylor Widener because he's going for the D-backs tomorrow. And that's why I think it's an automatic win for this D-backs if they're able to muster up four runs on the board because Taylor Widener has been a godsend for this team this year. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I don't think anyone, I, I certainly haven't expected how good the D-backs we're going to be when Taylor Widener starts. And I'm just recording this game, not game, I'm recording this pod at 7.17 on this Wednesday night. 7.17 p.m., I should say. And it's the top of the 10th. Uh, when I looked away last time, Josh Van Meter tied it up with a three-run bomb. Now the D-backs are up 8-3 to three in the top of the 10th. So we're definitely going to be talking about this game on tomorrow's pod. Probably recapping both games on tomorrow's pod since tomorrow's game is so early. I, I don't get off work till 5. Usually come home around 6 o'clock, then record the pod for you guys. So sorry for you know pods coming so late uh, nowadays. I, I just get off work now that I'm working a full-time job i don't usually start recording these pods till 6 37 and so sorry for the pods coming out late but let's get back on track we're gonna we're gonna talk about this game tomorrow because it looks pretty wild d-backs put up eight runs uh where they put up how many runs they scored uh five runs in the 10th inning that's pretty insane so we're definitely gonna be talking about that on uh tomorrow's pod but Taylor widener on the mound tomorrow been a godsend for this D-backs team, as I said, going against Jeff Hoffman tomorrow, who's been uh, pretty good for the Reds this season, 2-9-3, ERA, 12 strikeouts, but Taylor, Wide- Taylor Widener this season, 1-5-9 ERA, 11 strikeouts, just been absolutely crushing it for the D-backs, and just always got to look at the numbers, got to look at some of the splits, because the thing with Taylor Widener, we always say he's attacking the strike zone. He's just going after hitters. And that's true when you're looking at his splits because his numbers are pretty similar uh, compared to righties and lefties. Uh, a 226 batting average against righties, 233 against lefties, OBP 286 against righties, 303 against lefties. The only department where it changes is slugging, where lefties have th- uh, three doubles and one home run. But on average, lefties are doing the same against Taylor Widener as right-handed batters are. And he was just absolutely masterful in that game, uh, in that last game against the Nationals. He was basically Picasso out there on the mound, painting a beautiful 
portrait, picture, sculpture, whatever you want to say he was doing. Drake, when he's on a new track because he went against the Drake of Major League Baseball, the Drake of pitching for our generation. You can argue maybe Clayton Kershaw. You know, it's an argument. I don't want to get into that argument right now, but Taylor Widener went into a duel, a Yu-Gi-Oh duel against Max Scherzer and basically just laid all his guns out on the table and they just went back and forth firing rounds and Taylor Widener went shot for shot with Max Scherzer. Now, he couldn't get the run support, unfortunately, but Taylor Widener in that game threw 58 fastballs, and they the fastballs were pretty unhittable, honestly, against the Nationals. Expecting expected batting average of only 264, average exit velocity of 84 miles per hour against those fastballs. He was just phenomenal. The slider was the only one getting hit kind of hard, but his other two pitches, the changeup and the fastball, just dominant. Hard fastball, hard changeup, uh, fastball sitting at 93, changeup around 87, so he throws them both pretty hard. I just love the way this guy competes, and what I love about Taylor Widener, he does something that uh, both Robbie Ray, Caleb Smith, Masson, Bumgarner, what they struggle to do, and that's put batters away. When Taylor Widener is ahead of the count or ahead in the count, opponents have a batting average of 167 and a and a OPS against of only 333. This guy absolutely puts people away and where the runners in scoring position, this guy absolutely clutches, clutches, clutches it out. Sorry, my allergies are just messing with me right now, honestly, and I'm struggling to talk out here, trying to power through as the last few minutes, but against with the runners in scoring position, Taylor Widener, 176 batting average against 426 OPS. This guy has been a stud this year for the D-backs, and I'm super confident with him on the mound tomorrow to see what he looks like, but one area I'm not too confident in might be the D-backs bullpen because this bullpen can never come through in the clutch when the D-backs need them because when you're just looking through the ERAs, it's hard to find too many people you really trust out this bullpen. Stefan Crying, I like 405 year right. He's been solid this year, but he's been kind of up and down. Taylor Clark is 675 year right. He's been atrocious in his last six outings. Yoan Lopez, a 245 year right. He's been pretty good this year, but gave up a home run yesterday when we really needed uh, him to clutch it out. Kevin Ginkle has been pretty good this year, 257 year right. He's only hasn't been good when you, when, when Toy Lavello has used him too frequently when he's pitching like back-to-back days or three days in a row. That's when Kevin Ginkle really hasn't been too good. I'm not even sure if he's had a, a day where he went three days in a row, but I know back-to-back days. He, he's definitely better on more rest than less rest. Alex Young, a 4.5 ERA. Caleb Smith, surprisingly, has been pretty good for the D-backs out the bullpen, 3.27 ERA. Uh, but Matt Peacock, I really like. Hopefully, he's there to stay. But this bullpen is just something I'm not totally trusting right now. When you're looking at the bullpen splits for the D-back. Now, the, the bullpen does have a 3.9 ERA, which is pretty solid, honestly. Not too bad, but their OPS is 782, which is only about 30 points worse than the starter's uh, OPS against. So you don't like to see that from the bullpen. And the bullpen has given up 10 home runs this year compared to just 15 for the starters, uh, considering they, they're in the game a lot less. That's not very impressive. And in save situations, this bullpen absolutely struggles. 
a 920 OPS against in safe situations. This is just not a clutch team. The less run support this team has, the worse this team seems to do. I don't trust this bullpen to have shut down innings. And when the game is close, when it's a, a, a 5-4 lead going into the ninth, going into the 8th, going into the 7th, I'm scared for this team. This bullpen, I feel like if the starter gets taken down the 5th or 6th inning with a run or 2 run lead, I feel like the bullpen just going to give it up. That's where I am right now with this bullpen. You'll probably get 2 good appearances from 2 of the relievers, and then that 3rd reliever is going to give up uh, uh, 2 walks and a double and tie the game up. It just always seems to happen, or give up a home run like Yoan Lopez did yesterday. Hopefully, reinforcements is on the way soon with Joaquim Soria. Uh, with Joaquim Soria, it sounds like he was facing Ketel Marte in a simulated game. Not sure about Chris Davinsky. Not sure about Tyler Clippard. But at least getting Joaquim Soria back soon. And the J.B. Burskakis, we never know. This guy could be our lord and savior, possibly. So uh, this bullpen still potentially has some upside as it gets healthier and maybe mixes in some more youth like a J.B. Burskakis. But I think they definitely need to be cleaned up. I just want to see a full effort. I know Taylor Widener is going to go six innings, two earned runs tomorrow, five strikeouts, one walk. And the D-backs are going to have, uh, I'm, I'm calling it right now, they're going to have a 2-1 lead going uh, into the 7th after Taylor Widener pitches his 6 innings. The D-backs bullpen needs to just get 3 good innings to win the game tomorrow. Are they going to do it? We'll see. I just never trust this bullpen to, to give the D-backs a, a complete game. We'll either have good starting and then bad bullpen or bad starting and good bullpen. So if we could get that complete effort, the D-backs could start winning games. So... I'm calling it tomorrow. Widener, six innings, two earned runs. Bullpen's coming through in the clutch tomorrow. D-backs get the win and win the series. And they're actually going to pull off a sweep because I said before the series started, they were going to win Zach Allen and Taylor Widener's start. It only mattered about Merrill Kelly's start, which we're going to talk about tomorrow. So we might get in on my prediction of winning two out of three, and we might get the full sweep. So we'll see what happens when we come back tomorrow on tomorrow's pod to recap uh, today's game and tomorrow's game. And as always, I want you guys to stay safe and stay healthy out there. And don't forget to come back tomorrow for the best Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight on the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Deuces!